Christmas is an amazing time. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. But one of the things that I really enjoy are getting Christmas cards. And I suppose we all get Christmas cards. I hope you do. If you don't get any Christmas cards, then you'll get ours that'll be late again. That's what we do. <laughs> so, so we love Christmas cards. She didn't know I was going to talk about Christmas cards when she mentioned, you know, and did that little confession there about how late we are. But there's all kinds of Christmas cards. There's all kinds of... This is the one I get from... We get every year from Watoto. Uh, and I love the way the children smile and the lives are changed. And uh, Christmas cards are, are amazing. They always have a story in them. They always have a point. And it just reminds me of the amazing things that, that uh, God does. But sometimes Christmas cards are very simple, okay? They're just a single card. This is from uh, uh, Pastor Chad and Julie Braswell. They preached for us earlier this year. Incredible family. It's just fun. They're doing fun things and have a nice message on the back. And it's good to see them. It's good to be reminded of, of who we care about and such. I love this one as well. This was from dear, dear friends of ours, uh, Eric and Becky Watt. And they do the um, run ministries, that which, which uh, we support as well. Uh, and it's just see, it's good to see their family and, and how everyone is, is just... Growing up, <laughs> and so that's fun. And this one is actually from uh, someone in our in our church here. And I love this. I love everything about it. Uh, I like the personal notes inside. Let me read it to you. No, just kidding. <laughs> but I like the personal note in, inside because, and that's a part of it. So this morning, I want to give you a Christmas card, a very special Christmas card. It's called a living Christmas card. It's my Christmas card to you. Uh, to this, from the church to you. And I believe that God is going to do something with it. It's a very unique Christmas card, but Christmas cards, I think, are designed to change our lives. And I want this message to change your life. Now, you say, Greg, you say that a lot, and I do, because this is what I believe with all of my heart. Every encounter that we have with God should change our life. When you do your devotions, which you do every morning, I know, because uh, some of you text me what, what it is, but you do your devotion. When you read that word, God's word, it changes your life. It should change us. And sometimes when we come to church every single Sunday, it changes our life because we are encountering God. And sometimes I wonder, hmm, what are you coming to see if we're not changed? We're coming to see friends, which is cool, family, good. Or what, what are we coming to see? What are we trying to allow God to speak in our life? Now, Christmas cards have parts. So we're going to do a, a little anatomy of a Christmas card. And the Christmas cards have different uh, areas where they focus on different things. And it always begins with a front cover. It always begins with what's on the very front of the card because that sets the theme. And our Christmas card for you that we're going to do starts with Silent Night. Silent Night is the theme. Silent Night is what we're going to look at. It's, it's going to run through everything we're going to talk about. So what is Silent Night about, though? Have you ever wondered? It's a great little Christmas carol. But where did it come from? There's nothing in the Bible that necessarily says it was a silent night, and yet it was. So what is Silent Night about? Many, many years ago, there was a young man, a boy, that was born to a very difficult family. The father left. 
he was considered illegitimate. He was sort of cast aside and not uh, have of any value. But the mother loved this little boy and raised him to love God. So at an early age, he, he wanted, to, uh, he, he wanted to, to go into ministry. But you see, because his dad was actually a thief and a crook and was a murderer. In fact, little babies are dedicated. And at their dedication, his dedication, there was no one to stand in. And you had to have someone, you had to have a, a, a father stand in. So they had these godfathers. But nobody would be his godfather except one man who stood in who was the, actually the executioner that would later on execute his father. He stood in, and on his birth certificate, it had that he was the godfather. As this boy grew up, he wanted to go into ministry. He wanted to serve God. He wanted to live his life for God. But they wouldn't let him in because he was illegitimate. He didn't count. So God somehow worked a miracle and made a very, very special exception for him to even go into ministry to, to, to be a priest. And so he went into his ministry and he came out and he was assigned to this little bitty village on the side of, of the middle of nowhere in Austria. And as he went there to, to be a, an apprentice, he was walking to church one day as this apprentice for this ministry. And, he was, and all of a sudden, God just dropped something in his heart. It was a silent night. And he wrote the words in a poem, Silent Night. Every stanza, he wrote it. Just as he walked to the church. That was in 1816. And a few years later, he is now at another church. He's the assistant uh, priest. But he's in charge of Christmas Eve service at St. Nicholas Cathedral in Austria. I would tell you the name, but I honestly could not pronounce it. I tried. It was embarrassing. I just thought, it's in Austria somewhere. <laughs> and so he was frantically preparing for a Christmas Eve service. And as he was getting it all down and getting it all ready and everything, he went over to the organ for the Christmas music and realized it wasn't working. A flood had happened earlier that week and it damaged it. And he didn't think to check it. And he tried frantically, frantically, frantically tried to get this organ working because you got to have music for Christmas Eve, right? you got to have music. And there was none. So he fell on his knees in this little St. Nicholas Chapel and said, God, what will I do? I failed even at doing a Christmas Eve service. And all of a sudden at that moment, God dropped something in his heart. And he jumped up. Because he remembered his friend, Franz Gruber, who was an organist and a bit of a composer. And so he ran to his house with a piece of paper in his hand. And he knocked on the door. It was a cold, cold, cold day. And Gruber came in and he went in and he said, I'm frantic. We don't have an organ. And he says, well, I don't think I can fix it. He said, no, no, no. I have an idea. Can you take these words and create some music for tonight's service, for tonight's Christmas Eve service. He said, that's a few hours away. He says, can you do it? He said, I'll try. So he took the silent night poem that Father Joseph Moore wrote. And he spent some time on it, and he showed up early, <laughs> and he worked with Father Moore, and he showed him the song, Silent Night. 
and they play the song, and they taught the audience how to sing it in four-part harmony. And that night, the first night, at St. Nicholas Chapel, on Christmas Eve service, there was a small miracle. Because you see, guitars weren't allowed in church. It was only an organ. And they broke all the rules. And with a simple little guitar, they played Silent Night. It, the whole uh, song sort of grew and grew in popularity. And, and just a few years ago, if you would have saw a sheet of paper that said Silent Night, it would say, Words and Music by Franz Gruber. No one even remembered. It was Father Joseph Moore that wrote the words. No one remembered the story until 1995 in an old <laughs> desk. They found a manuscript written in Father Moore's own handwriting describing the story that was verified. Incredible. He never got a penny from it. He never took hardly any money whatsoever. In fact, everything he earned, he gave away to the poor. He died early in 55 years old of a respiratory uh, problem. And you think, what was that life for? And yet today, across the world, people sing this song. So we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing it. Just the, the chorus. I'm not a choir leader, as you well know. <laughs> but you're not a choir. <laughs> but, as a, but as a family, well, some of you are. But as a family, so we're going to sing it. We're going to sing Silent Night. And I want everyone, because this is a living Christmas card, you participate. You sing out. And you sing, and let's sing it together. And we are just going to worship God with Silent Night. Silent Night. Come on, sing it out. Holy Night. All is calm. All is bright. Brown yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly Thank you, Angelica. Come on, thank Angelica. She was amazing. I love that because that's what it was in 1818 when that song was first sung on a cold, cold day, pretty much like today, right, in Austria, where they sang Silent Night. And you see, this is what we need to understand. It was a silent night, but the silence was broken. You see, it was a silent night because the world had promised and promised and promised things. Do this and act this way and have this and enjoy this and you'll be fulfilled. And the promises always come up empty. But Jesus came into the world. He came into the world and was the light of the world. And we saw him. And his power, his uh, authority silenced everything else in the world. You see, they say that a picture paints a thousand words. And I think that's true. But the other side of that is just as true. A few good words can change a thousand lives. And this is the word from our Christmas card. This is the word this morning. 
First uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. Listen, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace, full of truth. Do you know what that story tells us? Do we understand what that story really is about? We know the scripture, we read it, we see the, the cartoons, and we, we see about Christmas, and we like, and, and, but do we understand that Jesus came? Here's my first thought. Jesus came in flesh so that we could see him. Do you know why that's important? Because all the way up to this moment, in, in every part of the Old Testament, they made it clear to see God would be to die. You could not see God because we are unholy. We are unrighteous. We have sin in our lives. We cannot do anything that makes us worthy. And because of all that, then because of that sin, because of what's inside of us, we cannot see God. To see God is to die a death that we deserve, a death that we had. And yet, here it is where Jesus comes. God makes his dwelling among us. So now we can see God. We can actually see God. And not die. That's amazing. That is the most amazing story. And if anything about Christmas, you get confused. What is it all about? What's the meaning of it? It's to understand we can see God. We saw God. What do you see this morning? What do you see? Do you see his love? Do you see his forgiveness? Do you see his mercy, his kindness? Do you see someone who brings wrath on you? Someone who has cast you aside, what do you see? Do you really see God? But the second part of that verse is just as powerful because Jesus came in glory that we might know the Father. Now, it's one thing to see him. See is good. But it's a whole other thing to actually know who he is. You know what they say, uh, torture is putting a great feast in front of a starving man, just out of reach. How sad would our Christianity be? How sad would this gospel be? How horrible would it be to see God? That's what I need to be, but I can't know him because I can't reach him. But Jesus changed everything. <laughs> when he came, he says, you will not just see God, you'll actually know God know who he is, to know him. And you see, that's what Christ, uh, Christmas is all about. And that's why we have to grow up, get to this point of silence when we try to do this and we try to do that. And we're working really hard to be righteous. We're working really good, uh, really uh, um, as much as we can to be good. We realize that we can't because it's only through Jesus can we know him to really know him. But you see, that's what Jesus did. He came so that we can see him. He was in the flesh, <laughs> and I'm not dead. <laughs> I can see God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And not just see him, but actually know, know God. That's amazing. Sometimes I get asked or people talk, Greg, I don't want to go to heaven. It's so boring. I'm going to float around on a cloud. What am I going to do, play a harp? 
you know, sing a song, you know, walk on streets of gold. After a while, you know, the gold's going to get boring. <laughs> That's just, it, it, that, often I'll get people say, what am I going to do in heaven? And I like to help them understand, you see, <clears throat> when we see God and we are with God, we'll have a, there, we'll have a revelation of who he is. Imagine today, this day, this very day, a revelation of who God is, a, a greater understanding of who God is, which is born in your heart. You thought, oh, my goodness, I never knew that about God. I never understood that about God. Now imagine doing that every single day, every, if there is days, every single moment in eternity. It's going to be amazing every day, full of, wow, I never knew that. Wow, what is God, on top of everything else that I can't even imagine or describe to you what God is going to do to us. That's knowing God. That's why I say that when we come in, we should be changed because every time we see God, every time we're exposed to the Word, to the, the Scripture, to His presence, we see a new revelation of who God is. But not only to see Him, not only to know Him, but Jesus came in grace and truth that we might be like Him. Oh, man, you, you have to understand the revelation of what it means in 1 John 1.14, or John 1.14, that says that we beheld him and we saw his grace and his truth because we not only see him, we not only know the Father, we actually become like him. We are actually Christ in us. We are actually have something to give. See, the world tries to give all kinds of things. And after a while, their gifts and their, what they try to do and what they, the life they say you can live and, the, and the, all the things they try to throw on us just falls to the wayside. And it falls silent in the light and the glory, in the grace and the truth of what Jesus has done and what Jesus gives in our life. You see, the silent world offers no hope. It offers nothing but only God can offer everything that he does. It, it, in fact, 2 John verses 1 and 2 says this, The truth is in us, which lives in us, will be with us forever. His truth will never die. It is in you. Is that what you have to give? You see, when the world says, have this and have this and have this, and the, the people around says, I tried that, I tried that, I tried that, and everything grows silent, then we can say, but God has this. And that comes from you. That comes from who you are, your life, your love, your kindness, your forgiveness, your grace. That comes from you through Jesus in us. When the world grows silent, do you have something to give? Do you have something to give to the people around you? Say, Greg, I, I don't have anything to give. If Christ is in you, you do. So the uh, front of the card is the picture, gives it the direction. But then if you open it up and you see on the left-hand side, you see the, the passion. Usually there's something there that sort of gives you the passion of, of what a card is. And we see our passion in our card is simply this. This is from a song, Francisca, Francesca. Last name, she's really good. 
she wrote these words. And the first time I heard them, I just was, I was just laid low. I just sat there and wept. Because I think it's so true. In your silent night, in your silent night, when you're not all right, lift up your eyes and behold him. Feel the thrill of hope. You are not alone. In this moment, behold him. In your silent night, when you're not all right, and you have to understand that people live in silent nights all around you, and it's not all right. It hurts. It's difficult. They're alone, and their pain is real. But see, we have the grace of God in us. Do you feel that hope? Do you know that hope is in you and that you have that hope to give to someone else? Silent night is speaking to somebody's struggle, to somebody's pain, a truth that goes beyond what they understand, a grace that goes beyond what they can comprehend. That is what God wants to do through you, in you. And that's our living Christmas card, to understand how we can, in someone else's pain, in someone else's struggle, be there to help them. It's all right. See, we, need, we know a truth. We know a revelation. And that truth in the revelation is that God is praying not only for us, but through us. Here's a verse that very little people understand. And it gets lost in, 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 in different perspectives. But in Romans 8, 26, it simply says this. Now watch. The Spirit, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is in you, that Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How does the Holy Spirit help us in our weakness? When we're weak, when we're struggling, when we can't get it right, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. You ever felt that way? I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to form the words, God. But the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit himself, himself you see, the Trinity means it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a little cloud that just whips around. It is a person. It is, it, is the, it is God himself. The Holy Spirit prays through us and intercedes through us with wordless groans, words we can't even, we can't even formulate. You see, we think that's the problem. <laughs> we think money's the problem. We think... Uh, the spouse is a problem. Come on. <laughs> the boss is a problem. The employee is a problem. We think the pastor is the problem, and he may well be. <laughs> but it's always so much more because your problem is tied with what happened 10 years ago in your heart and the bitterness and the fear and the doubt and the worry and the sin. It's all intertwined with all kinds of things, and we think, I, I don't even know how to pray. The Holy Spirit says, I will pray with groanings that we can't even utter, that we don't even know the words to. The Holy Spirit, when's the last time that you were so in, alone with God, in the presence of God, that you allow the Holy Spirit just to pray through you? We've seen it at times. When, when someone is, is in, in such pain that you hear the groan, and I believe as Christians, the promise is God is praying 
for us in ways that we can't even understand. Deeper than words. And you say, well, Greg, what's deeper than words? So if I tell you today, hey, I'm going to go sit in a chair. Immediately, you have a picture of a chair. I don't know, what is that, what is that chair? In, in your own mind, what does that look like? Some might be a little rickety old chair. Some might be a nice little rocking chair. Some might be a big reclining chair. That, that's Okay, that's what I'm thinking. But anyway, <laughs> but what kind of chair? What kind of chair? We have all kinds of, but you see, you do not think C-H-A-I-R. You do not think that. Nobody thinks that. We always think thinking pictures. That's, that's the way we communicate. So when you're saying words, you're just saying little bitty things of maybe this and maybe that. But when you're allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through you, he knows exactly what it looks like. He knows exactly what you're, where you're at, what your pain is, what your struggle is, what your hurt is. They, that you can't hardly even put into words. Only the Holy Spirit knows that. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. This is what God does in your silent night when it's not all right. God is there. God is in your life. Now, if we turn the card, our living Christmas card, over a little bit, we get to the, the main, the right-hand side. That's the, that's the message. That's the power. That's the authority. There it is, right there. You see it? And this is what it says. If we turn the page to our Christmas card, it will be there. Christ is born. Christ is born. That's the message. Hey, what is this Christmas all about? Christ is born. He's born in this world. He was born in my heart. He was born in this church. He was born in your life, in your heart, in your family. Christ is born. But it always has a message. And if Linus can take and share the scripture in his 30-minute little uh, cartoon of Charlie Brown, then we can take a moment this morning in this sermon and read the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. At night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and the people were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people <laughs> today in the town of David, Bethlehem. A savior has been born to you, he is the Messiah. The Lord God. You see, this is what we need to understand about that very simple message. They came, and I love the way that it says the light shone around them. Just didn't shine on them. I think it was like all of a sudden everything lit up all around. It was like day. Someone flipped a switch, and it was day. It was, it was every, everywhere, and they were terrified. These are their fields raising their sheep in the fields of Bethlehem that would be later on brought before the people and used as a, as a sacrifice for the Passover. Because that day in that field, there was a sacrifice, a lamb that was born, the lamb of God that would die for every one of us. See, the message is so clear to us. We're afraid of what it might, tomorrow might be. And the message for us this morning, 
is, well, I don't know what you're facing tomorrow. I don't know what you're afraid of. But God has good news that's going to bring great joy. <laughs> Let me say that again. God has good news that's going to bring great joy to you, to everything that God has for you. Jesus was born for you to change the circumstances, even while we were in our sin. Isn't that amazing? I don't have wings. I know some of you believe I do. I don't have wings and I can't fly like the angels flew around, like they say. But the message that I have this morning for you is the same message. And the message that we have for all this world, do not be afraid. You see, at the bottom of that page is always a personal note. So we have a personal note for ours. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what God has for you this coming year. That's for you. That's a personal message just for you this morning. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what tomorrow may hold, of what next year may hold for you. It is good news that will cause you great joy. (laughs) That's the message that God has. I had a dream earlier. And in this dream, someone came into my home into the back door and stole all the Christmas gifts from our, underneath our tree for my family. And I woke, and I immediately started praying and thinking, is that door, back door locked? Because <laughs> it was real. And as I laid there and I prayed for my family and for their protection and such, then all of a sudden God's presence started to come all over me, and I knew it wasn't just for my family. It was for you. You see, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And what is he taking? He's taking the gifts that God has for you. The gifts of love, of forgiveness, of service, of action. Gifts that God wants to put in each one of your hands. But for some reason, we have allowed the enemy to come in. And it was as clear as anything that God said, pray for the church. Because the enemy is trying to come in. And steal their very gifts that God has given them. God is placing gifts in your hand. Gifts that I believe with all my heart are going to give you such joy, a good news that's going to just amaze you. Don't allow the enemy to come in and steal them. Don't allow the enemy to come in. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Next year, I'm telling you, I'm speaking in a personal note to you. God is going to do great things in your life, in your family. And I know you might think, oh, but Greg, this is so hard. I don't see that. That's how that's going to happen. God has it. God has it for you. I love Titus 1-2. It says, the truth gives you confidence that you have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before he began, the world began. He has given you these things. That's the truth. You can trust God with all of that. You can trust God and believe. God has such joy for you this morning. But now we turn to the back. You think, what's on the back? Not much. (laughs) Not much. It's just the, the, uh, the origins and who wrote it and everything that's going on. But in our back of our Christmas card, I have a verse for you that I believe talks about 
where we're at. It says there is a time for everything, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. And now is my time to speak. I love each and every one of you. And as my personal living Christmas card, I want you to know how much God loves you, how much that God has done everything. He's come so that we can know him. It's come that we could see him. It's come that we can have God in us. But the challenge is to understand that we have to surrender our heart to him. And I know so many have. And I know there might be many, many, many watching online right now that says, I've given my life to Christ. But just like we know him, it, we have encounters with him and know more and more of him, I believe with all my heart. It's a constant surrender. It's a constant surrender. So maybe long ago you gave your heart to God, but you know now you're not living for God. Your life isn't surrendered to God. Or maybe you've never done that. But now's the time to say, God, come into my life. This Christmas, this time, I surrender my heart to you. Can I pray for you? Just everyone bow your heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the Christmas card of love you have given each and every one of us. Lord, I pray with all of my heart right now for every single person watching online that's in this place. If there's anyone, a single person, that has not given you everything or gave you their heart and then took it back and started to run their own life or never have come to the point of saying, God, I need you in my life. God, I pray you would help them understand. It's as simple as saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me of all my sin. And if that's where you're at, I want you to pray these words with me in your heart and mean it with all that you are. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse my heart. I need you in my life. I need you to be born in me as you were born into this world. And Father, I give you my heart. Thank you for, for your forgiveness and your grace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless every one of you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's all stand. Every one of you, let's stand. You know what? It's going to be an amazing week. I know it'll be easy to get busy, <laughs> easy to do this and do that and focus here and focus there. But let all that go and just keep remembering what it's all about. I know the Father. I see the Father. I know the Father. And he is in me. And that's what you have to give. Give away something this week. Be here uh, Saturday at 5 o'clock. It's going to be a great, great celebration. Candlelight service. You get, get to play with fire. And who knows? We may get burned. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your presence and these precious, precious people. Be with us, I pray. Give them the best week they've ever had. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.